Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Low Blow Booking Podcast. My name is Derek Cornett, and we are coming at you live and in living color on your mobile listening devices on a great night uh, for sports. It is, of course, UFC 189, Mendez versus McGregor. Um, I am watching it right now as we speak, as we record this podcast, and this is going to be a very special, very fun edition of the Low Blow Booking Podcast as we continue to grow and branch out all over the world. Um, we've got listeners um, in multiple countries and continents, and of course, I am joined by my partner in crime uh, here tonight, Dave Hall. How is it going, my friend? It's a little bit chilly down here in Australia at the moment. I know you guys have got your summer. We're really moving into winter. Uh, it doesn't snow where I live, but we've got a real icy wind today, so it's been a bit cold, but um, we're looking forward to a good, good time doing this. Absolutely, and uh, tonight we actually have another special guest. He's actually more of a host than a uh, you know a guest on this podcast, and I want to bring in to CW Zone, Patrick Fenton. Patrick, how's it going tonight? It's going well. How about you guys? Oh, man, I, I'm excited. I'm watching the UFC fight in the background. Um, we've got a pretty fun podcast idea coming up, and uh, Dave and I have been talking about this. This is part three of our, our summits that we have been doing, and uh, what we do is we take the rosters from the WWF and the WCW in December of that year, and we put together kind of a super card, and we see which, which company would win. In 1989, we ended up doing... Uh, Survivor Series matches, and then a War Games match, which ended up being won by the WWF. In 1990, WCW came back um, after we introduced a Royal Rumble and, of course, a huge contest between Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan. Now, we jump to 1991, and the landscape in both of these companies has drastically changed in a year. Now, when we think about both of these companies in that year... um, if you guys go back and think, or you know, think about what you what you feel about it now, what's your take on on these two companies at this point, Patrick? Um, the World of WF in '91 is uh, it's kind of like the end of the Federation years, so you still have some of the big names that everybody loves, like Macho Man's and the Hogan's and the Warriors. Uh, but then you kind of have some new fr- uh, talent, like the Road Warriors come in. I know they're not like new, but you know, new to WF companies. Uh, whereas WCW's kind of um, still has their big names, but they've lost a lot of the, uh, what do I want to say, the uh, momentum that they had coming out of the late 80s, and they're still trying to become WCW out of the NWA, so they're trying to find themselves still. Oh, I agree with that. How about you, Dave? What do you think? Uh, I think, for me, 91, it's a real change of, of atmosphere. WCW, Flair leaves, and it really seems to transition into a very different product. Um, and they try to, they, and they'd obviously handle the, the leaving of Flair and, and the way they were moving moving then, and the, you know, the last couple of other guys there. And, of course, the WWF, transitions as well and away from starting to move away from the 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 big man and the and the the kick punch towards what you know what what sort of that that mid-90s style which is the Bret Hart's and the you know Randy Savage's and you know Ric Flair comes to the WWF and it really seems to usher in a new feeling of what they're trying to achieve in ring and so you've got a real change of styles of both companies. 
I, I know I remember that um, I sort of, when Flair came to the WWF, it was a real big thing for me. I was really excited about it down here in Australia because we didn't have a lot of Flair footage for a few years. We sort of, after 1989, a lot of you know, a lot of WCW stuff wasn't getting released down here for a few years, and now I had a chance to see Flair, and I was really excited about that. Uh, but it, it really had a very different feel to it as a result. Absolutely, and I I think that my favorite years of wrestling have been '89 and '90, and then as we get into '91, there is that big change. Um, real quick, and it may be a, a dumb question, but who do you think, after you look back at it now, who do you think was the better pickup for the company? Rick Rude for WCW or Ric Flair for WWF? Patrick, what do you think? Ah, uh, that's tough. Um, man, uh, I would say Ric Flair. Um, you know, I think a lot of the hardcore, diehard WCW fans would be Rick Rude because of his run. But if you really look at Ric Flair, I mean, he had one. Many consider to be the greatest match in WF history in the 92 Rumble. He won it. He won the title. I mean, he was mixed into the major feuds by himself. I mean, he had perfect, but it was just him. Uh, whereas, like, Rick Fruits feuds were more dangerous alliance-based. Um, so he had a lot of great personalities surrounding him. Whereas it was Rick Flair. It was against Macho Man. Um, or towards the end of the year, he was team with Razor. But I, I, I'd say Rick Flair. Dave, what do you think? I agree with Patrick. I think Flair definitely was the bigger pickup. Um, he had that instant credibility, and really, I mean, he was straight to the top of the card. And I, I, as much as I like Rick Root, and I think the run that he had in WCW was the best run of his career, unfortunately, he was never the top guy. He still played second fiddle to Sting and to Lex Luger before he left, and you know, he, he was the U.S. champ and was a dominant U.S. champ, but he was feuding with, with Steamboat and Dustin Rhodes while Sting was on top of the card and, and then Vader comes along and, and knocks, you know, Rude down another peg. So, whereas Flair really was at the top of the card right until he left. Uh, so, I think that's, um, to me, that, that, that's why Flair is probably the better pickup. I, I'm going to be the, the minority here, and I think Rick Rude was simply because I think he filled the void that Flair left with um, instant credibility, a tough guy, um, a guy who could be um, a legit contender the entire time, um, and he had a better run, in my opinion. When you look at the, the short time frame that Rick Flair was there compared to the elongated time that Rick Rude was there, I do think Rick Rude ended up being a better pickup, but that's just me because I am a Rick Rude fan um, avidly. I just got done reading some stuff earlier today about how he was a legit tough guy um, and would knock the shit out of people with an open hand slap. So uh, you're going to get, it's going to be pretty tough. And even Rick Flair talks about Rick Rude on that big, like 15 hour shoot interview he did. He, he put Rick Rude over really well. And I, I, I don't think he'll ever get his due, his due credit. So I'm going to give it to him right here on the Low Blow Booking Podcast. But here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the 1991 Summit. For this event, we are taking rosters from December of 1991, and we are going to be doing a lethal lottery. And that's where Patrick comes in to play here tonight. 
Dave and I picked our 20-man teams from each uh, company, which we'll be going over in a second. And then Patrick has actually got a random list generator set up, and he has already got the teams picked. And Dave and I do not know what the teams are going to be. Now, the matches are going to be set up a WCW team versus a WWF team. We have 20 guys. There will be tag teams, so there's going to be 10 matches. And we're going to kind of play this thing out and see who's going to get into uh, the Battle Bowl finish here. And, and then we're going to pick a winner from there. Um, like I said, this is completely random. So, Dave, let's, let's, run down, um, let's run down our teams right here. Do you have your list in front of you, or would you rather have me do it? No, I've got it right here, right. Um, and obviously, you know, as you said, it's it's at the end of end of '91. So there's some guys that have, that have sort of left the company over the course of '91. But what we what I've chosen, uh, and there's a, a notable leave off, which I'll talk about when we get to the end of the list. Uh, obviously, Hulk Hogan is in there. Brett the Hitman Hart, the Macho Man Randy Savage, uh, all still you know in in big time roles. Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase is still there. Big Boss Man, probably at the peak of his WWF run at this point. Hacksaw Jim Duggan and the Warlord. The Undertaker is uh, kicking big time now. Uh, the recently arrived Hawk and Animal of the Legion of Doom, as they're now known. Uh, earthquake and Typhoon of the Natural Disasters. The Mountie. Uh, Irwin R. Shuster, otherwise known as IRS. Uh, just who we were just talking about a minute ago, but the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, Jake the Snake Roberts, the British Bulldog, the Nasty Boys, Knobs and Sags, and Rowdy Roddy Piper. And if you're listening, you're probably going, hang on a second, Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty are not on the list. And that's correct. I've left them off this list primarily because this time, the end of December 91, is just when the Rockers are about to break up. And in and the reality of, of what was going on on Superstars and stuff, they're starting to wrestle individual competition more. And I want to keep them off this card because I don't want to impact that future storyline that's happening. And so the Rockers have been left off. Uh, and uh, But I think we've got a fair, good, strong talent pool without them. And I think uh, two other names. Sid Vicious is hurt during this time. So he's not going to be on your list. And the Ultimate Warrior is AWOL at this point. So um, even though he was under contract, he was not um, not active on uh, in December of this time. So uh, Sid, Warrior, Marty, and Shawn Michaels not on your WWF list. Um, some star power hurt there, but I think you've got plenty of names here that make up for it. So um, WCW, 1991 in December, I went... Right at the uh, the list that they used for Battle Bowl, uh, the Lethal Lottery that year at Starcade, and and I put together this list here: um, Bobby Eaton, Lex Luger, Sting, Jimmy Garvin, Michael Hayes, Ron Simmons, Rick Steiner, Scott Steiner, Brian Pillman, The Z Man, Arn Anderson, Big Van Vader, El Giante, Dustin Rhodes, Steve Austin, Cactus Jack, Adulo the Butcher. Rick Rude, Jushin Liger, and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Um, the only guy that I think could make a claim to be on this list that isn't, and that's Terry Taylor. Um, I do think that he's a pretty decent worker at this time with the York Foundation angle. Um, Ricky Morton will never be on any list that I ever put together, so I, I didn't put him there. Um, but I think, you know, maybe if I, if I get down to it, I could probably take out Garvin and Hayes and put uh, Terry Taylor and Marcus Bagwell on there. But I, I'm a Freebirds fan, so I'm going to keep them in there. Um, 
simply because I know that when it comes down to a tag team, if these guys were picked together, it'd be hard to go against them. Um, so, Patrick, listening to those two lists, who do you who do you give the edge to? That's tough. I uh, wasn't prepared for that. Let me uh, look it over real quick. Um, man, there, you know, you got Vader coming up, and with his monster run that he's about to begin on, you have Sting and Rude. Uh, Luger's still pretty, uh, pretty good here, even though he's gone right after this. Um, that's, you know, there's a pretty strong WWE roster there. Uh, but equally as strong, really, is WWF. I mean, you still have Hogan. Like they said, the Legion dudes coming in. You have Brett and Undertaker. Jake's still there. He's going through that monster heel run that he was going through right there. Uh, I'd have to give, as far as work rate goes, I'd definitely go with WCW. Uh, but pure name value, I'd go with WWF. So it's not really an answer there, but that's kind of how I look at things. Well, I, I think that's a perfect answer. That's kind of what was going on at this point in time in wrestling. WWF had the names, and WCW kind of had the work rate. And I think that we'll see that switch even when we come back and do this for 1992, we're going to get a completely different outlook on it again um, because there's going to be one name that's not going to be used on there, and that's Hulk Hogan. You know, he's not going to be out there in 92 in, in December. So um, it'll be interesting when we get to that point, Dave. So without further ado, Patrick, it is now time for you to pick the first two teams from each promotion. Um, you can do it any way that you want, man. Just let us know who's going to be out there. Okay, well, uh, since I was given the WWF list first, I will go with team number one for the World Wrestling Federation. And we start off with the Mountie, Jacques Rougeau, and his tag team partner for this evening is Nasty Boy Brian Nobbs. And they will face off for the uh, Team WCW World Championship Wrestling, uh, Freebird, Jimmy Garvin, and his partner, the man they call Sting. Oh, well, I think, I think you've certainly got a name there to, to bring the crowd to life at the beginning of the show in, in, in Sting. And, um, you know, that's, a, that's certainly going to help, help liven the crowd up at the start. It's a, it's a shame he's been tagged with, with Jimmy Jam Garvin, but I think helped by the fact that, um, you know, they, they've, they've got two guys on the other side that, um, you know, they, they've got a little bit of a, maybe a minor advantage, both managed by Jimmy Hart. Oh, yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, that, that can certainly work, help in their favour. Um, I, I completely agree with that. Um, I look at, I look at name value here. I think Sting is the, the biggest name that we have here. Um, he's a, a foundation of WCW, a guy who I could see doing really well. And, and you got to give Jimmy Gar Garvin some credit. You know, he is a guy that has had a pretty successful career, albeit not the, <laughs> not the most talented individual. Um, but you know, in my opinion, I think Sting and Garvin, they jump right out here. And, and take care of the Mountie and Brian Knobs. Yeah, I think this is the sort of match where I think um, the Mountie's probably going to get a, a fair bit of shine. He'll get, I think he'll get to work over um, work over Jimmy Garvin for a little bit, tagging it out with Knobs. But I think in the end, the hot tag is going to be made to Sting. Sting is going to take down both guys. I think we're going to protect the uh, the Mountie in this situation. I think Knobs is going to take the pinfall. But I agree, it's going to be Sting. Sting's going to win it for their team almost single-handedly. Absolutely. All right. Well, Sting and Garvin have moved on to the finals. All right, Patrick, who's our next teams here? Okay, team number two for the World Wrestling Federation starts off strong. Randy Macho Man Savage and his tag team partner, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Wow. Yeah, big team there. Uh, as far as World Championship Wrestling, 
you have uh, Big Fan Vader and his partner Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Holy oh my goodness, what a, what a matchup! Wow. Uh, and I, I think this 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 is oh, this is just huge. You've got. I think I like the idea that you've got the potential here that a potential winner could come out of this match. Uh, Savage and Piper, both legitimate, you know, you can have either one of them could see winning this thing, and Vader and Steamboat for WCW can see winning this thing. This is a real toss-up. I like that we've got Savage versus Steamboat. I could really picture the commentators, whoever our... We haven't even named our commentators. Oh, yeah, I guess... Well, Um, I I think that we would probably... um, At this time, Jim Ross and Bobby Heenan would be... Uh, would be who who I would pick. I think I would agree with that. This is when Bobby was really, you know, really coming into his own. Uh, I think I could really picture Jim Ross picking up on the history between Savage and Steamboat and them tearing the house down for a couple of minutes in the middle of the ring uh, before Vader comes in and starts overpowering Savage and Piper. Uh, working them down, and then you can see the comeback coming. You can certainly see Piper just turning into the madman and, and really starting to to, to gung ho it, it back. Um, I'm really I'm really torn here. I think I think now, in Dave, my mind Dave, I, in my quick. mind I'm thinking that Savage and Piper might just sneak it away. Uh, Vader is not quite the man yet. He's still He's not, he's not at the top of the card yet. Steamboat is a man who can take a pin for and never look bad. I could see Piper and Savage winning this with the popularity, like the crowd cheering them, but using something like a roll-up with the tights to, to, to steal the win. And Dave, the only thing that I would have to go against that is that Piper and Savage haven't been wrestling full-time. Compared, they've been in the they've been in the announcing booth. Compared to Steamboat and Vader, um, that that would be the only thing that I could pull away from this and say, hey, I don't really know, but I, I do agree. I do think Piper and Savage together. I think they're on the same page at this point. I don't think that Vader and Steamboat would make a good team. Um, I don't think that they would get on the same page. I, I you know, and I go back and I think about that Battle Bowl match. Vader beats the shit out of Steamboat throughout that that battle royal. So um, as much as I hate to see this team go down, my gosh, I'm losing two of my big heavy hitters here. Um, but again, I've got two bona fide Hall of Famers first ballot. Um, Savage and Piper, I got to give it to them. They they definitely would be going on in my opinion. Patrick, you, what what would be your take on this one? Who do you think would come out? Uh, I would go with Savage and Piper. Uh, I know that you know the, the commentary thing was something I was going to bring up because they were the superstars commentary team for most of the year. Um, but my argument to that on my own would be that in less than three months, both of them will be holding championship gold. Absolutely. Uh, Piper becoming the Intercontinental Champion in less than a month, and Savage becoming the World Champion in like three, four months. So, yeah, you also have to remember that they've just. While they've been off the shelf on the shelf for a while, Savage is just he's in the middle of his big feud with, with, with Jake Snake, and Piper has been wrestling around the country with Ric Flair. So they've been on off to, on, on the commentary box for a long time, but at this time they have started to pick up their their uh, their level of involvement in the ring. All right. Well, I am I am hurt that I've got two of my main guys here, uh, and both of them are guys that you know could definitely make a, a run. 
um, in the finals. But Steamboat and Vader go down. So we've got two from WCW and two from the WWF in the finals already. Patrick, it is now think, time for I our... I think it's also, just, just before, I yep. think you could always see at the end of this match, you could see Vader coming in and probably dropping both Savage and Piper with power bombs before walking off. Mm-hmm. Or at least doing something to get some heat, you know. It, it, if it's not a power bomb, it's definitely a beatdown or something like that. And even Steamboat could could come to their aid, and it could be a three on one to get him out of the ring. Um, and, may, and maybe finish with a, maybe even a nice handshake between Savage and Steamboat, sort of to tie all the way back to that '87 feud. You could sort of just sort of highlight it here, where you know, look, you know, we've been there, done that, but we respect each other now. Absolutely. All right, Patrick. What's our third match of the night? Okay, for Team WWF, uh, you have the Natural Disasters, Earthquake, and Typhoon made it as a team. Uh, and they will be facing off with uh, Team WCW, Scott Steiner, and El Gigante. Mm. I like this match a lot. I like, I like that we've managed to get a tag team in the ring together. I think that gives the, them a distinctive edge. Obviously, the, 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 the regular teamwork... Uh, they know each other well. That's going to give the natural disasters a big advantage. And as much as I respect Scott Steiner, um, especially at this time when he was probably uh, at his at his possibly you could consider at his peak in ring. I know he'd had some singles matches and and um, certainly had some. You know, he had a TV. This is around the time of his TV title run. It, it's close. Um, it's it's yeah, pretty close. I think he's hampered by the fact that he's been tagged up with El Gigante. But I do want to say that Gigante and Steiner they they would they would team together at this point. They would be in in six man and eight man tags. But um, again, the 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 power of the Earthquake and Typhoon is is too much. They're they're a tag team. Um, they're WWF tag team title contenders, um, and they've got Jimmy Hart. So um, yeah, you know. I hate to lose Scott Steiner, but, um, you know, that's just kind of how the cookie's going to crumble here with Earthquake and Typhoon. I think I think Earthquake and Typhoon would be too much for Giante to handle in the... I think the size of them would just wear it down. I think I think you could have Giante take the pinball here. But also got to remember that Scotty Steiner was actually just coming back from injury around this time. Yep, He'd been out the for a bicep. few months. They you know, lost the stripped of the world tag team title from WCW. So... You know, it's um, it, it's not. I don't think it's a major thing for him to have to to drop here, but I think yeah, Quake and Typhoon are probably going to just be just too much for 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 that tie. Real quick, if it was Rick and Scott Steiner, would it be a match? Oh, mate, that would be at the in 1991. Rick and Scott Steiner, I would I would would love to see them take on the Natural Disaster. I would have given it to Rick and Scott Steiner hands oh, yeah. down. All right, well. <laughs> WWF jumps up. They got four men in the finals. Patrick, what's our fourth matchup? Okay, for Team WWF, you have uh, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, and his Survivor Series tag team partner, the Warlord. Ooh. And they will take on the team of Brian Pillman and the WCW World Heavyweight Champion Lex Luger. Wow, that's a pretty that's a pretty fun little combination there with Luger and Pillman um, against uh, you know definitely. A formidable team of Warlord and, and Ted DiBiase here. Um, I think when I look at this one, obviously Lex Luger is my world champion. He he's pretty much untouchable at this point. Brian Pillman is wrestling great matches week in and week out. Um, you're going to have Harley Race in their corner. 
against Ted DiBiase, who is without a doubt one of the best workers. Um, at this time, he is definitely getting into his tag team um, meld. Um, he will be with IRS by in a year from now for sure. And then the Warlord, you know, definitely a guy that didn't really get the opportunity to really show off everything he could do. Um, I do like the power of Luger versus Warlord. I like the work rate of Pillman versus uh, Ted DiBiase, but um, I think my world champion is is going to be the one to uh, to finish this thing off. Yeah, I think I think I'd have to agree there. I think Luger is the difference in this match. DiBiase in late '91, he he was really on the downturn. He'd had his little feud with Virgil. He uh, he was really they were getting rid of him. He was tagging with IRS. He was tag champion with IRS in February. So we've got two months away before he's really, he's not even wrestling singles anymore. Um, he was, he, he'd moved down. Warlord, look, I, I, I personally have never been a big fan of the Warlord. Um, he, he's a big guy, but I've never thought much of his in-ring skills. I think that Luger, uh, I, 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 I could really love to, would love to see a little bit of a, a power, like that power matchup between Luger and Warlord for a few minutes. But I could see Luger, you know, the, the guidance of Harley Race, um, the 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 more well-rounded uh, skills that he has, and then the speed of just Pillman coming off the top rope and hit, hit and run sort of thing. I, I don't think that I don't think the Warlord and DBS will be able to hold up to it in the end. I think yeah, Luger and Luger and Pillman are going over. And I think he just Pillman brings it up a notch that I don't think DBS and Warlord could could match. You know what I mean? You go back and you watch some of those matches with DBS and like Bret Hart. He really, and, and when you think about it, in 1990 at the Survivor Series, DiBiase worked really well with Bret Hart, but you can see Bret Hart bring it up a level, and I don't think DiBiase has that same um, instinct in 91 here. So, um, yeah, not, not anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think I really, the, the, the fun thing in this match, I think, would be the dynamic between Luger and Pillman. You can see Pillman, at this point, he's, he's still the, 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 the regular babyface, will do whatever, um, but I could see Luger being very wary of him and probably even being wary of Pillman's size. And you could even imagine, picture Bobby Heenan and Jim Ross talking about that Luger might want to control a little bit more of the match because he's worried that if Pillman's in the ring with the Warlord, he might you know, might be overpowered. And so Luger takes a lot of offense, I think, and, and sort of works a lot of this match. But um, Pillman, you could, I could see him taking in some blind tags, coming off the ropes, and then, you know, sort of Luger almost demanding that he tag him back in. And, uh, in, and, and Luger takes the win. All right. So I think Luger's going to take the win. I, I, I can completely agree with that. So we're knotted up here uh, through four matches. What do we got here for our fifth uh, halfway through here, Patrick? Okay. Uh, team WWF has the British Bulldog, David Boy Smith, teaming with Nasty Boy, Jerry Sags. And for Team WCW, we have Ryan Simmons and Bobby Eaton. Ooh. That's a, that's a, this is an interesting matchup. Um, you know, you've got uh, the British Bulldog and Ron Simmons. Probably this time you could see them in a very, very even situation. Uh, maybe maybe Simmons slightly ahead. He's just uh, had, a, had a series with Lex Luger and, and, and acquitted himself very well. Uh, Davey Boy back in the company and, and, and certainly... Proving himself in the in the one on one competition, and then you've got two two key tag team guys. Um, I think personally, I think the difference here is Bobby Eaton. I think Eaton is a, an outstanding tag wrestler. I think I think I think a lot of Bobby Eaton as a wrestler. And I think Eaton and Simmons work really well together. 
Um, I think they find a way to gel as a team, while Davy Boy and, and um, Sags would really struggle. One thing I want to put over, and I, I forgot to say it earlier, but this is our first Dangerous Alliance member. Um, with Bobby Eaton here, and he's going to have Paul Heyman out there with him, or Paulie Dangerously, sorry. Um, Jerry Sags, um, he'll have Jimmy Hart out there. Um, I, I actually did not put Larry Zabisco on my roster. I'm never, ever going to – I don't find any value in him. So, um, and, and maybe that hurt me here because, you know, he's definitely a guy who could fit in in a role here. Um, but, uh, you know, looking at this, I, I, I think – Ron Simmons has got tag team credibility, and Bobby Eaton is without a doubt um, number one or two when it comes to the best tag team wrestlers of all time. So um, I think that they would find a way to work together better than Davy Boy and Jerry Sags. Um, I don't see them. I don't see that team meshing well. Even though, again, here are two guys that are great tag team wrestlers, but um, I don't know. I don't think that there's some steam there. I don't. I don't see the steam in that team to to overpower somebody like Ron Simmons and a guy like Bobby Eaton, who at this point was really coming into a peak uh, in his career. So I'd have to go with Eaton and Simmons. Oh, and I think you'd have, I think, I really like the, the Sags. I could even see this being one of those sort of matchups where, you know, Sags is probably even pushing Davy Boy Smith and maybe even walks off on him, you know, and, and Davy Boy's forced to take, you know, almost wrestle a lot of this match two on one because Sags just doesn't want to have anything to do with him. Um, I could see uh, Jimmy Hart laughing and, and encouraging that sort of behaviour. And, and, and Paul Lee over on the other side would just be taking advantage of it. And, and um, you know, and I, and I think Ron Simmons, while he was a face, I think, yeah, like you like you, I think he and Eaton would, would mesh really well. And, and, and Simmons, you could even see as seeing, going, you know, I've got... I've got to work with this guy for now, and I'll and I'll take what I can get. And Heyman might have, like, dangerously might even have a couple of good, encouraged, you know, good uh, sort of strategies that they can make take benefit of. All right, so we are halfway through. WCW has three teams in. WWF has two. Uh, right now for WCW, Jimmy Garvin and Sting, Brian Pillman and Lex Luger, and then Bobby Eaton and Ron Simmons. Over on the WWF, you got Randy Savage and Roddy Piper, and the Earthquake and Typhoon. As we head into the last part of our matches here, definitely some big names left. Um, some guys like Hulk Hogan, Bret Hart, The Undertaker, uh, Jake Roberts, and, oh, yeah, this Ric Flair guy. And then over on uh, WCW, a lot of our star power has already been put out there, but we still got some good names like Rick Rude, Cactus Jack, Steve Austin, and, of course, Arn Anderson, who is, in my opinion, a difference maker in this event. So, uh, Patrick, let's get us going here for the second half of our big summit. Who's coming out here for our sixth matchup? All right, for the sixth match, we have for Team WWS, the big boss man, and his heated rival at the time, IRS, and they will be facing off with uh, Team WCW's Rick Steiner and the Z-Man. Oh, this wow. is a very interesting matchup. Yeah, that's um, that really, it really throws that, that sort of thing. Uh, where I was talking... Um, Sags not really getting on with Davey Boy. I really see some issues between uh, the boss men and, and, and IRS, and I could see that being an issue right through the match. You know, sort of slapping each other, uh, pushing each other. I can really picture IRS demanding boss men do certain things and boss men not wanting to 
to follow through with it and um, possibly even IRS grabbing the, the, the briefcase at one point and wanting to take a shot at someone and, and the boss man refusing to, to participate in that. And while, while I'm not a big fan of, of the Z-Man, I think Rick Steiner and the Z-Man are going to work better together. I think in the end what I would see happening is IRS whacking the boss man in the back of the head with the with the briefcase, knocking him out, allowing the Z Man and, and Rick Steiner to probably take the win. I, I agree. I, I don't see and and it's hard for me to look at what I have left, but this is this is a lucky draw for both of these guys. Um I think Big Boss Man with anybody else probably would win this matchup looking at who you have left, but um it's gonna be tough for uh uh for them to go down so um, I, I'll take the win if I can get it. You know, Rick Steiner and the Z-Man moving forward in a very uh, interesting sixth matchup on our on our lineup here. So um, it's time to go for our seventh match, and I'm looking at the I'm looking at the rosters right now, and it is going to be a tough draw for the WCW to get a win uh, coming out here. You've got some major bona fide heavyweights coming up. So Patrick, what do we got for our seventh matchup? Seventh match includes uh, for Team WWF the Undertaker. And Jake the Snake Roberts, yeah, against Team WCW's Ravishing Rick Rude and the Natural Dustin Rhodes. Wow, this is this is this is probably the the the, the, like it's almost up there with that one we had earlier with With um, Savage Savage and Piper. I mean, you've got you really have you've got the two the top two heels in in WWF at this time. yeah, they work together. They, they've been teaming together. They operate together, and I think you know, uh, Rude and Rude and Dustin Rhodes. I mean, that's that's a uh, that's a, that's a that's a pretty pretty solid team as well. I think the difference here, in my mind, is the fact that Dustin Rhodes is still he's still a few months off really being. Dustin's still moving up the card. He's still seen as the young guy and I think you could you could book this match could be booked to utilize that sort of perception rude is the veteran but Dustin isn't quite ready to take on the undertaker and Jake the snake and I think I think in the end I think team WWF are going to get two more in here I think the undertaker and Jack the snake are just going to be too much for Dustin Rhodes to handle um, and I think Rick Rude's going to be furious about it after the match. Probably drop Dustin with a rude awakening to perhaps set up something the following year. Yeah, uh, this is a tough one for me, man. Because here's the problem: the, the only problem I have with it is that Rick Rude is a U.S. champion, and Dustin Rhodes is a tag team champion at this point. So I've got two champions going down to a super team here of Taker and Jay, er, Taker and Roberts. Oh God. I'm frustrated about this one. You know, why couldn't why couldn't this be flip flop with the last match? You know, to bring me some star power in that main event. But um, I've got to agree. I don't think there's any way that Undertaker, who at this time was a WWF champion, um, and Jake the Snake, who is without a doubt in one of his best runs as a you know demonic, you know just terrible, you know dude that would do anything to get a win. So. It hurts me to say it, but The Undertaker and Jake the Snake, uh, you know, start this run for WWF, and I don't know if the run will, will stop because I'm looking at the the next six guys, and it's going to be really hard for me to beat any of them. So um, let's go to our eighth matchup. What do we got here, Patrick? For Team WWF, you have a uh, Legion of Doom member, Hawk, and he teams with Brett the Hitman Hart, 
Jeepers. And they will be facing for Team WCW uh, the Enforcer, Arn Anderson, and Abdullah the Butcher. Whoa. I'm hurting for certain right now. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I look at I look at the team of Anderson and Abdullah as two guys who um, would probably get on the same page for about three minutes, and then after that, I don't think they would they would get back together. Um, there's no way. Uh, it's, this is a tough one. Hawk and Bret Hart. I. I I, I, would, I love to see Arn Anderson and Bret Hart at this time. That would be just money in the fucking bank. Um, but I do think that Bret and Hawk would find a way to win. I, I don't think Abdullah has enough. Now, it's interesting if we were to swap this around and put Steve Austin in this match, because I think that would be enough for Anderson to win it. But I don't see him and uh, Abdullah getting the win here. I think I, think I agree. I think... I'd love, like you said, Hitman and Anderson. I could see them. I, I think Arn starts the match, and 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 the, he and the Hitman just have to tear the place down. Uh, you know, then um, you know, in the end, I think I think you, the issue is Abdullah. Abdullah, his role in WCW at this time was to feud with Sting, to be a crazy man feuding with Sting, and that. Feud had pretty much reached its end as well. Um, Abdullah didn't have much to offer outside of that. Um, and I think Abdullah gets in the ring and probably in the end just gets bamboozled as, as, um, as his opponents probably just end up taking him down, work out, maybe even get a DQ out of it. You could probably protect Arn a little bit. I could see this being a DQ. Um, you know, Abdullah pulls out something out of his out of his tights, a fork, a knife, a spoon, a, you know, a, a boiled egg, something or other, and, and, and starts beating on starts beating on the hitman or, or, or whatever. I, I just, yeah, I, I just think Abdullah is just too much of a wild card to, to be able to, to take a win for his team. Ugh. There is one team that I could possibly get a win on here um, coming up next year. Let's run through the, the last four competitors on each promotion. For WCW, we've got Steve Austin, Cactus Jack, Michael Hayes, and Jushin Thunder Liger. For WWF, you've got Hogan, Flair, Jim Duggan, and Animal. Uh, this is going to be tough. All right, Patrick, what's our ninth match? All right, the ninth match is Road Oyer Animal. And the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. And they will be taking on Jushin Thunderliger and Cactus Jack. Oh, well, <laughs> I hate to say it, but I think I'm going to get skunked here um, in these last these last matches. I, I, I look at it, and I Liger and Cactus are not going to work together. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> um, Animal and Ric Flair, although they have had a lot of heat in the past, I don't think there's any way that... Um, that they're going down in this match. I mean, there's too much star power over there. Yeah, um, it, it, it's. I think it's the situation where fl- even even Flair, like, I think you can see the determination of Flair. Flair looking to prove he's the best of the best. Um, he would he would take a match with Animal. He just sort of work with it, do what he had to do. Um, probably cheat his royal tights out and, um, you know, take the win, you know, I, I think, you know, Cactus is, 
Cactus was certainly enjoyable, and and he'd been doing really well. But I agree, I can't see him and 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 Jushin Thunder Liger uh, really um, teaming up very well. I think in the end, it's probably that Liger is presented as that white heavyweight concept, and in in America at this time, that wasn't the big thing. I think Flair and Animal are probably going to overpower. I, I can really see Animal overpowering Liger and making it very difficult for Liger to really uh, do what he needs to do. And, and the, the thing is, they're not... Flair and Animal aren't really going to take the the, uh, the light heavyweight offense very well either. So it's, it's probably going to be a very awkward match to watch. Yeah. I, uh, uh, the interesting concept would be to see Flair and Liger in the ring together, because I think that's the only... I mean, that's the only way you're going to get some kind of entertainment out of it. Cactus and Animal are probably going to do some fun work, but in the end, there's no way that huh, there's no way that you know Liger and Cactus are going to get get lucky here. So, um, Ric Flair and Animal move on, and now our final matchup, Patrick. What is it? We have Hexaw Jim Duggan and Hulk Hogan representing Team WWF, and they will be facing stunning Steve Austin and Michael P.S. Hayes for WCW. What a tough draw for Steve Austin to go against Hulk Hogan and Jim Duggan. Um, it's just, oh man, it's a tough one. It's a tough one to, to see him go down like that. Um, Austin at this point was great in the ring. He's got Paul Heyman out there with him. Um, Michael Hayes is nothing more than show um, against, obviously, Hulk Hogan, who is you know the biggest star in the world still. And then Jim Duggan, who is his buddy, his partner, his friend. It's interesting that Hogan would be teamed up with Duggan, kind of protects him, uh, and has his has his buddy there. Um, without a doubt, Hogan and Duggan get the win here, um, and really, really take a, a controlling lead uh, in in the finals. I, I do feel sorry for for stunning Steve. Um, I, 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 a very unlucky <laughs> unlucky draw for him. I think. Uh, one of the things I, I, I personally note is he was good in the ring at this point, but he got better. And then, like, if it was Steve Austin two years from now, uh, following his run with Pillman, uh, when he when he taken the US title, I'd be willing to put a strong argument out for Steve Austin to maybe turn this around, just for who he was. But at this point, he's not. He's not there yet, and um, and I mean, you can see what's going to happen. Duggan's going to get beaten down for a little while. Um, Austin and Austin and Hayes beat him down. He makes the hot tag to Hogan. Hogan comes in, no sells to everyone, drops everyone with with punches and boots, lands the leg drop probably on Hayes, gets the three count, and starts posing to the crowd. Yeah, uh, it's tough. Um, I even look back at some of the matches, and there's not really any that are going to that are going to go my way if we even give them a, a second a second look. Um, just the teams. Probably, probably I, I think the only ones you probably, if you're looking back, going back, is probably going back to that, uh, was it the Rude, the Rick Rude one. Yeah. Uh, the Undertaker, Jack, Jake Roberts versus Rude, Dustin Rhodes. That's yeah. probably the only one you might well, be able to possibly reconsider. Well, I think even, even the Piper Savage, uh, match against Steamboat Invader. I think that's one where I could, if I really wanted to make a strong case for it, you know, that that's a team I could see going over. But Vader, like you pointed out, he's not at that point yet. 
give them a year and there's no doubt in my mind, but, um, that, you know, in a year, this is an entirely different concept when it comes down to it. So, um, uh, a tough, a tough, tough loss, um, in terms of, you know, the number of guys, but Hey, I've got some strong competitors going into the finals. Uh, WWF has got some strong name power going into the finals as well. So let's run down, um, the, the qualifying team. So for the WCW, I've got eight guys, Jimmy Garvin, Sting, Brian Pillman, Lex Luger, Bobby Eaton, Ron Simmons, Rick Steiner, and the Z-Man. For the WWF, we've got Randy Savage, Roddy Piper, Earthquake, Typhoon, Jake the Snake, and The Undertaker, Hawk, Animal, Bret Hart, Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, and Jim Duggan. So it is 12 versus 8 in the in the finals here, in the in the... The, the one ring battle world, I don't think we would do two rings here. Um, but looking at this as, as a final, Patrick, if you look at these two teams, who do you think you, you give the edge to um, right off the bat? Uh, I would have to go with WWF. I mean, if you're looking at just uh, beef and, you know, uh, a weight, uh, as Battle Royals is always plugged as, you know, it's a big man's game. You have Hulk Hogan and Jim Duggan, who are both 300-pounders. You have Animal, who's a 300-pounder. Hawk, who's just shy of 300 pounds. Undertaker, who's 300 pounds. And then you got Earthquake Typhoon, who are well over 400 pounds. So if you just look at it by that standard, it, it would go with WAF. Yep. Uh, Dave, what do you think? Yeah, just um, I, I, you have to agree with Patrick there. Just on 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 who's qualified, WCW are really looking up the barrel here. I mean, they've got Sting and Luger, and and then there's not a heck of a lot strong support wise, top of the card level guys that you that they've got to help them out. While you know, it's it's almost the entire top of the roster is for the WWF is out there. You've got pretty much the top six eight blokes in the company are all out in that ring. So it, it really it really is a, a, a tough, uh, it's going to be tough for uh, WCW. I do, there are some things when we start talking about um, the actual match, I, I can see some silver lining here. I think there are going to be some issues for Team WWF going into that that battle royal, though. And I think that's where we have to kind of change the the scope of the, the conversation. So we get into the finals, and it's a one-ring battle royal with 20 men. And you think about the idea of a team concept, but on the end, it's also individualized because, like you talked about, we've got some heavy feuds. For the WCW, right off the bat, Sting and Luger, that's a huge feud right now. And then, of course, you got Bobby Eaton, who is a uh, Dangerous Alliance member. He's going to go after Sting. You've got Ron Simmons and Lex Luger, and they've had their issues. So, right off the bat there, I don't have... I, I've got some issues amongst my team going forward, but I also have a good thing with Sting, Pillman, um, Rick Steiner, and the Z-Man. Those are all buddies of Sting. Those, that's like a little contingent that I have that is definitely going to be able to work well together. Um, over on the WWF side, you've got Piper and Flair who have had issues. You've got Flair and Hogan who have had issues. You've got Undertaker and Hogan who have had issues. You've got the Road Warriors and the Natural Disasters who are having issues. You've got, of course, Pipe or uh, Macho Man and Jake Roberts who are having issues. So everybody on your roster has got um, some kind of extracurricular thing 
that they're bringing into the match. Um, so right off the bat, Dave, what do you think is is the the like a big component to how this thing's going to shake out? I think it's those it's those WWF issues. I think while Sting and Luger have there's a past there, but the reality is we all know Sting and Luger have been friends in the past, and it wasn't until the Battle Bowl in WCW that their issues started to be confronting each other. Prior to that, Sting's been dealing with a dangerous alliance. Yeah, I think if I remember the storylines properly, it came out that, that um, Luger was the one who paid Cactus and Abdullah to yep. attack him or something like that. Yep. But I, I think the bigger issue is it's it's blood feuds in WWE. You've got Savage and Roberts. I think one of the things I think is going to be an issue is the moment they hit the ring, I can't see Savage being able to do anything than go after Jake the Snake. And, and, and that little battle... Is gonna is gonna have an impact because you can have some guys trying to help him, e.g. E. you can see the Undertaker trying to help Jake the Snake, and you're gonna have some guys trying to refocus them. You know, let's let's look at the other guys. I think I think that's that's your first major major problem for the team WWF. I think I see Savage just blindly. He hits the ring and he just goes straight for Jake the Snake. They start battling and probably either uh, eliminate each other or Someone on WCW takes advantage of it, and they end up over the, on the outside very quickly, and then they fight to the back. So let's um, let's, let's th- play that let's play that little angle out as we go through this. So is it safe to say that Roberts and Macho Man are not in this match very long? No, I can't see it lasting very long at all. I think I think Savage is just gonna. It's that blind anger and aggression. He's just going straight for Jake the Snake. They're going to battle into the corner, into the ropes. They're either going to topple over or get thrown over. And I think that's going to be similar to their Royal Rumble issue that they had where, you know, Undertaker will get involved. But I think right off the bat, I can agree. I don't see Jake and Savage going out there. So we've got, you know, they're they're out of the mix, if you will, already, in my opinion. So um, I'm able to even up the odds a little bit. It's still 8-10. to 10, um, and, and I'll come back with something. I, I don't see Jimmy Garvin going very long at all. Um, you know, he's a guy that is going to get tossed out relatively quickly. Um, so to drop it down to, to 10 to seven, um, what, any, anything else that you can see coming out of here really early? I think one of the things I wouldn't be surprised to see is I wouldn't be surprised to see Flair become a major target and not just from guys like Hogan, but from Lex Luger. And maybe even Sting, but I could really see Luger looking out and trying to take Flair on. Here's my reasoning. Uh, When Flair left WCW, Luger took over the mantle as the number one guy, but we all know when he won the title, there were chants of, we want Flair resonating throughout the building, and and it continued throughout a lot of his reign. Now, while Luger has legitimized himself with some wins over Ron Simmons and the Steiner boys and, and stuff like that, the reality is I think even he would recognize that I didn't beat Flair. And I could see Luger gunning for Flair in this match to attempt to get him out of the ring to legitimize himself as the world champion. And that would... 
Flair's got that element tied in with the fact that Hogan and Piper are both gunning for him as well, probably, to, to, to change that. I think I could see Hogan, though, really taking on the role of let's get the WCW guys out and maybe even getting into a little bit of push and shove with Sting. I think that would be very interesting. But I think Flair's going to find himself in, in a, as a major target, and I think in this case a target that's not going to survive. Patrick, would you agree with Ric Flair getting out relatively early? Yeah, I do. As he, as he was describing, as Dave was describing uh, that scenario, I, I'm seeing it in my head where Flair is running away from Hogan, he's running away from Piper, and he walks right into a press slam from Luger or maybe a clothesline after. I mean, I, you know, I'm not saying the first few minutes, but you know, maybe you're 10, 12 minutes in the back, and he just keep running away from everybody, and he just ends up in a situation where he gets caught blindsided by Luger, and he and he thumbs up, you know, thumbs him out early. Yeah. I... And, and the, like you said, Patrick, the way you see it play out in your head, it's Flair gets away from Hogan and gets away from Piper, but then he runs into Sting. He runs into Luger. Um, or, you know, shit, he could run into Hawk and Animal, who at this point they don't care about him, you know. And um, I, I see Ric Flair being a casualty of that uh, circumstance. So we've got seven to nine. Um, let's talk about some guys like Jim Duggan. Is it, I mean, do we see him as somebody that's, that's staying out here for a while? I think I see Duggan as a guy who just battles anyone, will will throw punches on anyone. Oh, I could actually see him getting into a bit of a, a back and forth with your uh, with Bobby Eaton. Yep. How about um, Ron Simmons? The Dangerous Alliance. I'd like to see Ron Simmons and, and Jim Duggan a little bit. I think Simmons would get the best of them. Um, oh, I'll, yeah. I think I agree with that. Yep. So let's take Duggan off the list. We're at seven to eight now. Um, at this point. You know, we're getting the thick of it. I think the Z-Man is my next casualty. Um, without a doubt, you know, he's going to he's gonna get hurt by somebody like um, somebody like the, the Natural Disasters or something like that. Um, I could see The Undertaker just sort of going on a little bit of a, a, a small run and just sort of choke slamming people and choking people and push just... You could just picture him choking Tom Zank and just pushing him over the top rope. And there's no way that a Vince McMahon event uh, is going to give Tom Zink any kind of credit. Um, <laughs> I was just I was just thinking about this just a moment ago, and like I said, a couple of guys not on my list. One of them was Barry Windham, and he was hurt at this time. Um, he would definitely be somebody where you know could he take a spot for Michael Hayes and and help Steve Austin? I don't think so. But you know, just looking back at this list, I'm kind of frustrated with with some of these guys I have left in. But uh, it's six to eight. Now, you've got two full tag teams over there. You've got Earthquake and Typhoon, and then you've got Hawk and Animal. Um, how does that dynamic play into what they can do as a team? Um, as I've got a guy like Rick Steiner, who I think that we can, we can take him off the list um, simply uh, by you know the fact that Scotty lost to Earthquake and Typhoon earlier. Rick maybe gets one of them out, but the other one takes him out. What would you, what would you say to that? Yeah, I, I think I think that's uh, that's probably a good way to do it. I I, I don't see LOD and the disasters really tangling with each other in this. I, I I can see that they've got enough focus to to look at the bigger picture. But I think yeah, Rick Steiner probably ends up in a battle maybe with Typhoon, and a couple of Steiner lines happen to send Typhoon over the top rope. Uh, maybe a bit of help. Maybe he gets Sting to help him, or, or Brian Pillman to help him. 
And then I could see um, I could see him sort of pointing down at Typhoon going, that's for my brother, turning around and getting absolutely walloped by Earthquake. Yep. And, you know, maybe a power slam and, and just, you know, even, I mean, Earthquake, you know, probably picks him up into that half press slam sort of thing and throws him down to the floor right in front of Typhoon, who probably drops a big splash on him on the floor. And then could I come back with a guy like Ron Simmons getting a getting an elimination on Earthquake? Yeah, I think I think Ron Simmons could could take advantage of things like that. He's got the power to do it. Running clothesline from behind would get Earthquake in a bad position, and then maybe you know getting the benefit. Sting, Brian Pillman, those those guys that like you you, you highlighted this little unit that WCW would have. I can see these guys working together a lot and taking advantage of it. Maybe not even Ron Simmons doing it, but Sting taking advantage of the earthquake, doing that to Steiner, but getting the help from Pillman and and Simmons, and the three of them end up putting him over. Absolutely. All right, so it's five to six. Somehow, some way, WCW has a fighting chance right now. Sting, Pillman, Luger, Eaton, and Simmons versus Piper, Undertaker, Hawk, Animal, Hulk Hogan, and a guy that we have not really talked about, and that is Brett the Hitman Hart, who, in in all righteousness right now, he is a sleeper pick um, to kind of sneak his way around, as he would always do in Battle Royals and Royal Rumbles. And um, I, I can see him uh, tangling with Bobby Eaton in what would be an amazing little, little showcase for these guys. But um, wh- where do we go from here with these 11 guys left? Well, I think as you get less guys in the ring, one of the dynamics that's going to be harder to ignore is Hogan and Undertaker. Those two guys are going to end up crossing paths much the same way we were talking before about Savage and, and, and Jake the Snake and, and stuff like that. I think in the end, Hogan and The Undertaker are not going to be able to stay away from each other for the whole match. And that's... That's going to be something that someone else is going to take advantage of. I'm not saying that Undertaker or Hogan eliminate each other, but I could certainly see Luger looking to take advantage of someone's distraction. How, how about maybe, this one, Dave? Maybe Luger putting a target onto Hulk Hogan, trying to maybe even work with Undertaker to eliminate Hogan at this point. How about this, Dave? I can see Hogan and Undertaker kind of going at it, and then Roddy Piper comes over to try and separate them. Undertaker grabs Piper by the throat and tosses him over. Hogan then comes over and tosses over Undertaker. Yeah, I think I I could see that dynamic working. I I like that idea of of Piper trying to play peacemaker, trying to refocus everyone. Um, It it might not have even been Piper. It could have even been someone like Hawk or Animal who who might even do the same thing and and, and with the same result. that The Undertaker just throws one of them over get out of my way, and, and Hogan doesn't like that, and, you know, we get the, I could even see The Undertaker doing the land on the feet, maybe grabbing someone else and taking him out afterwards. Who, who, well, the, the way I, I played it out there, I had Taker getting, or eliminating Piper, Hogan eliminating Taker, so you've got four guys left for WWF, you got Hawk, Animal, Bret Hart, and Hulk Hogan. Um, over on WCW, one of those guys is going to have to be a casualty at this point, and I think Bobby Eaton is the the number one target. Him or Pillman, um, one of those guys is going to go down. Yeah, look, I think I think what you were saying before, a battle between the Hitman and, and Bobby Eaton would be great. I could actually see in the end the Hitman 
getting him out, like doing doing the backdrop, the, the, the sort of the, the lift up and over the ropes, and maybe Eaton lands on the apron, and, and then Bret Hart just starts dropping him with some punches and kicks, and in the end, Eaton can't hold on any longer, and he goes out. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, Eaton's out. It, it is now down to our final eight, and we've got Sting, Pillman, Luger, and Simmons versus Hawk, Animal, Bret Hart, and Hulk Hogan. Patrick, if you look at these eight guys, who do you think has got a, a fighter's chance here? Oh, uh, every, uh, really, I think it's who doesn't, and that would probably fall down to, like, Billman or Simmons uh, or the LOD, really, because, like you said, Bret Hart's kind of the sleeper in this. Hogan's a main, you know, a main man. Uh, Luger's the champion at this time, and Sting is right on his heels. So any of those guys could really walk out the winner of this at this point. I think the dynamic of Hawk and Animal teaming up, um, I could see them teaming up to get out of Ron Simmons, um, but then leading to a casualty because one of those guys has got to get tossed afterwards. Um, what do you think about that, Dave? Yeah, I think um, I think that, 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 that seems like a, a very plausible situation. I think you could see uh, Hawk, and, Hawk and Animal really work together. Ron, and you, you've got that background too, and, and Jim Ross would play it. Jim Ross could play up the background between LOD and, and, and Doom and that these guys have got a past and Hawking Animal not known to to forget the past very quickly. They hold grudges for a long time and and once is a casualty and I can see Hawk sort of posing in front of him doing his you know, his his arms lifted up, the tongue sticking out, and I could see Lex Luger coming up and sending him for the ride. I, I really see Lex Luger is this man who's just doing, I'm going to do whatever it takes, and I'm going to take out whoever, I'm going to prove myself. And I think Luger's the sort of guy who's going to take advantage of a situation. He'll have, have had Rakes advising him, look for a chance, look for an opportunity. And so Hawk goes over yep. not long after. Yep. Um, so now we've got six men left. I think if we look at it on paper, um, Animal, and Brian Pillman are the next two casualties, some way, shape, form, or fashion. Um, Pillman is is a little bit out of his league at this point um, with the guys that he's got in there. Um, but I do see him. I, I see him at this point, but I don't see him lasting too much longer. Um, his friendship with Sting has got him to this point, but um, sooner or later he's going to be gone. Um, and I think the same goes for Animal. Yeah, I think um, I think I could see Animal. Turning around and wanting to take on Luger after Luger's eliminated Hawk, and 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 you know maybe maybe you've got a press slot from from Animal on Luger, but Luger gets them very quickly. Um, sorry, not a press a power slam on Luger. Luger gets up quickly though and and press slams um, Animal over the top rope. Sort of, I'm the strongest here. I've, I've got you beat for power. And um, Animal goes for Ryan's Pillman. I could see another, a little battle, like a game, like we were saying with Eaton, a battle a little bit up between Pillman and the Hitman would, would really be interesting. And I think it, it's another one of those struggle ones. Pillman fights with all he has. Probably he's over the top, holding onto the top rope and, you know, trying to skin the cap that he keeps getting, you know, keeps getting hit. And, and in the end, he just can't hang on any longer and, and he's forced to let go of the top rope and he drops to the floor. Yep. And now we've got our final four. Um, without a doubt, uh, four, four pretty legit contenders here: Sting, Luger versus Hitman and Hogan. Um, how do we eliminate somebody like Hulk Hogan at this point? 
how do we eliminate somebody like Sting, Lex Luger, and, and Bret Hart, who, like I said earlier, he is our sleeper. This guy has has conned his way into getting into this final contest, um, you know, or not not conned his way, but you know what I mean? He's, he snuck his way into being one of these final four men. Um, what do you think, What how does this play out with these four guys? I think for me, the... The um, the key to these final four is can Luger and Sting work together for a period of time or not? Now they, they've got history together. They've got um, they're on a build to a future. I think I, I could see Sting and Luger going for that temporary alliance. That sort of like let's work together to get rid of Hogan and then we'll deal with each other. And I, I, I wonder if that's that's the difference here. Um, Hogan Hogan's his own man, and Hitman. While they're both he and Hitman are faces, they're not going to really work together a lot. I think Hogan and Luger end up in a bit of a, a bit of a tussle here. Real sort of like who's the best? Who's the you know? While Hogan's not the champion at the moment because there's no WWF champion, but who's the who's the number one guy? while the Hitman and Sting battle off. And then I could see Sting maybe getting the Hitman in a bad spot. Maybe he hits him with a Sting, a splash, the Hitman drops, and Sting turns around and he goes to try and help um, help Luger eliminate Hogan. And the two, those two men, just for that moment, put aside their differences. And I think Hogan finds himself in an unusual position where he goes over unexpectedly. Yep, I... I see something playing out with, like, Sting and Luger teaming up on Hogan. They find some way to get Hogan out. And, you know, maybe Luger backs off for a second. And once they get Hogan out, Bret Hart comes in and eliminates Sting. And then as soon as he turns around, Lex Luger is there to eliminate him. Yeah, I'm not sure I quite get that far. I, I, I picture it more like this. I picture they eliminate Hogan, like you said, maybe even Luger backs off a second, and Sting turns around and Luger deals with Sting. Sort of to remind Sting, I'm I'm the guy. Yeah. And, um, well, and can... then he and Hitman can have a, a bit of a, a, a tussle for a few minutes, you know, sort of Hitman, he's, he's, he's been battered, he's, he's survived a few near eliminations, Luger is, is the champ, he's pumped. These two guys start going at it, and in the end, you know, probably very similar to what nearly happened with that with, with Luger's sting, you've got um, in, in the real battle ball, Hitman looks like he feels like he's getting on top and maybe does the big charge, and Luger sends him out with the backdrop. Yep. And I, uh, I, I see Luger taking this thing down. Yeah, I, I, I like that, that concept of, of them getting out Hogan and then as soon as he's out, Hogan looks up at Sting, who kind of just gives him a look, but then Luger, you know, gets him right from the back of the head and, and throws him over the top rope. And, and then we get to see Bret Hart and Lex Luger um, run around for a little bit just to give us a taste of, of what Bret can do. But in the end, it, it does come down to, uh, to to Luger going down, or Luger taking out Bret Hart to uh, to be the winner. Yeah, I think, I think for me, when you get down to that level, I think... Luger, uh, Hitman is is on the rise. He's IC champion, but he's still got that stigma attached that only a few months earlier he was the tag team guy. And 
And Luger is looking for that legitimacy. Luger is looking to make that statement of, I am the man. I'm worthy of this role. And I, I could see this really sort of legitimizing that I'm worth that I'm worthy. I am I am a legitimate world champion here. I deserve to be respected. Which then builds you for the Sting Luger battle. That now when Sting takes Luger down a couple of months later, it has a lot more legitimacy to it. Patrick, when we started this thing, would you have imagined that Lex Luger would be our winner? Um, no, not really. Uh, I mean, he was, he, look at the guys, even just in the, the 20 guys, uh, even though he is the, the only world champion in the match, I, I wouldn't have seen that played out. But as you guys described it through, I can totally see the scenario popping through. I agree, I, and I look back at our teams that we had and, and the matchups that, that we encountered, and, um, you know, I I do think I got a tough draw, but I think in the end, like we talked about, those feuds in the WWF would have held them up from being as successful as they could have been, um, and, and I think in the end, you know, WCW pulls out a huge underdog uh, victory um, in, in their concept of a match, you know, in the in the idea of the Battle Bowl, the Lethal Lottery, and everything put together, um, they found a way to, to be successful and get a W here tonight. So, um, you know, WCW goes up 2-1 to one on the WWF as we uh, round out our 1991 Summit. Um, and, and I see, I can see at the end of the event, I can see Jim Ross really talking up the fact that the WWF guys couldn't coexist. Some of these guys couldn't coexist while Luger was willing to work with a man who was his challenger just for a little while while it benefited him and then you know he, he takes it back you can talk about how race had taught him to be more cerebral and race had taught him to to seize what he needed to for the moment to get to the next level uh, which is very much something you would have picked from flair three or four years earlier and what i could really picture is like the end i could see i'd love to see you can see bobby heenan sort of starting to recognize, hey, this Lex Luger bloke, there's something to him. And if he do, if he ever ends up without losing that WCW title, I might have to give him a phone call. I might have to see if he's interested in, 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 in possibly changing his uh, work environment. Absolutely. Um, I think the funny concept is to look at what is going to happen in a year from now in 1992. We have the mass exodus over in the WWF. Um, even looking at the rosters that we used here tonight, no Hulk Hogan, no, um, oh, I just had it off the top of my head here. Um, oh, jeepers. Roddy Piper, you know, he's not he's not active at this time. Um, no Lex Luger, you know. Two guys that are, are major competitors here. Those guys aren't even going to be around when we, when we do this again for the 1992 Summit and, uh, Dave and I are definitely going to cook up something fun for that event because we're going to have to get creative. There's not a lot of great um, workers at that time. But then you also have a guy like Shawn Michaels who isn't on this card, but he's going to come up and he's going to be a major player. Um, Vader is going to be a complete 180 for, you know, from where he's at. He's going to be unstoppable at the end of 92. Um, so definitely some fun, uh, some fun concepts to bring up and some things that we're going to look at um, when we come back to the summit here on the Low Blow Booking Podcast. Um, Patrick, any final thoughts on what we did here tonight? Any any final comments? Um, I, I love a lot of the teams. Uh, you know, Randy Savage, Roddy Piper, a fantastic team. Uh, I like that the Earthquake and Typhoon. And to note, uh, we did 
we did do the, the uh, shuffling three times, and every time we did a shuffle, there was one tag team that did come through. So that was going to happen, I think. Anyway, uh, we did it. Um, but I, right, like Undertaker and Jake the Snake, that was a great team. Vader and Steamboat was such a great team. It was unfortunate that they had to go out because that would have been such a fun. And Rude and Dustin Rhodes was another team that I liked. Well, I think Dustin Rhodes is another guy when we say in a year from now, he's going to have a little bit more clout. He, you know, that Rude versus that Rude and Rhodes team in 1992 is going to be a little bit more difficult to beat than they were in 91. Agreed. Yeah, and, and that's and you've got and they're not the only ones because you know, Steve Austin is is going to be a much better position. You know, twelve months from now, I think a lot of those WCW guys were hampered by the fact that they it was twelve months later they were they were uh, in a much stronger position than they were at nineteen ninety one. And then on top of it, I think of uh, Starcade nineteen ninety two. I'm going to be be able to bring in um, some guys that. I, I wasn't quite expecting to be able to bring in, and, and Patrick, you and I, you know, we discussed, uh, you know, WCW and WWF in 1992 and, and what that looked like, so it's going to be interesting when we put together this concept and say, what what kind of event do we have in 12 months from now um, to really showcase all the talent that is available in both promotions, so... Um, Guys, I appreciate you guys jumping on here tonight. Patrick coming in out of the bullpen um, did a great job. I appreciate it. Um, you know, again, the Low Blow Booking Podcast, we be, uh, continue to grow. Um, Dave Hall and myself are going to be coming at you again. Um, we've got a couple of different concepts that we're going to be looking at. Uh, one of them is 1997. Bret Hart does not leave the WWF. What would those next couple months look like with him around? Another concept that we're looking at is, of course, the invasion angle. We've already begun some of the pre-production for that, and how can we put together a, uh, you know, maybe a two or three-parter where we book the invasion angle um, and and hopefully, you know, make it a little bit more successful. And then, of course, um, another one that we looked at is CM Punk in 2011, um, and and looking at, you know, these are three big angles that happened and you know what would happen if they were rebooked a little bit you know what would happen if they were changed up a little bit how would that of course change the scope of professional wrestling and and the sport that we love and enjoy so much so gentlemen it has been a pleasure thank you so much for joining me here tonight um again best wishes to everyone uh dave always a pleasure patrick thank you again um again check us out low Bull booking podcast on podbean and itunes give us a like give us a share um check out what we've got we've got a great archive grow, uh, growing uh by the month so gentlemen you guys have a great night thank you very much thanks thanks mate i look forward to next time thank you all right see you guys